This is a podcast about Jeopardy. Hello and welcome to Potent Potables, your weekly Jeopardy podcast where two former competitors bring you recaps and analysis of the week's Jeopardy episodes, a deep dive into a topic inspired by one of those episodes, and a quiz. I'm Kyle. And I'm Emily. And this is the week of November 1st, 2021. And hey, I thought we were maybe going to get a couple weeks without, like, Jeopardy headlines, but no. <laughs> it's it's no. tangentially well, Jeopardy. Well, it's, ta- it's tangential. It's tangential. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're recording on uh, Friday, November 5th, and everyone is finding out that um, when Aaron Rodgers said he was immunized, he did not mean he was vaccinated. Um, and, we're in any uh, way made immune. <laughs> Yes. Uh, I, I'm disappointed. Oh, well. All right. But anyway, it looks like, looks like we will probably not be seeing him back at the host podium. We sort of ruled that out anyhow, but that was, that's, uh, that's uh, interesting. All right. Anyway. Um, so, uh, on Monday, November 1st, our contestants are Carrie Bruner, a library media specialist from Glen Allen, Virginia. Mike Norris, a researcher and writer from Beverly, Massachusetts, and Tyler Road, a healthcare data specialist from New York, New York, whose three-day cash winnings total $58,301. And we have the Jeopardy round categories, Kansas City News Clues, presented by the Kansas City Fox 4 News team, Mismatched Pairs, Triple Alliteration, The Man's Pen Name, Anatomy Class, and TV Catchphrases. Saying the TV catchphrases at the thousand dollar level, it was, it was interesting to hear Mayim Bialik say, "Homie, don't play that." That felt mm. that line felt forced out of her mouth. Yeah, but that's in living color. If you've never mm-hmm. watched that, I appreciated that the man's pen name specified that these were going to be men. Yes, <laughs> it's just a nice courtesy. Yeah, because if it had been women, it would have definitely specified women. Yes, I mean, except that sometimes they're they're, they're moving away from that as like a way to like you know change things up. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, no, I, I appreciated that in this case they did specify. Huge props to Tyler and also to me for <laughs> managing to pull that the thousand dollar level of mismatched pairs. Scientist known for his study of light. And actress who plays Maeve on Westworld. Those are Isaac and Tandy Newton. Yes. Um, that was impressive. I, I really just enjoyed that clue. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it was yeah. delightful. There was a triple stumper in the Kansas City News Clues category at the $1,000 level. Uh, it was a long clue. In 1997, the Negro League's Baseball Museum opened its new permanent home under the leadership of Buck O'Neill, who had been a star for this Kansas, League, Kansas City Negro League's team as had greats like Satchel Paige and Jackie Robinson. Uh, that is the Kansas City Monarchs. Big, big Negro Leagues team. And you can remember that because the Major League team is the Royals. Mm. And it's, you, it's very easy to associate those those two terms. That's a good tip. Thank you. Daily Double number one is in the triple alliteration category at the $1,000 level. Uh, Carrie found it at pick number 15. She's at 3400 Tyler's at 4,000 and Mike's at 2,000 and she wagered 2,000 and she got the clue. One of this organization's missions is quote, calling out and addressing substandard marketplace behavior. And she does not offer a guess, but that is the better business bureau. She drops down. She'd been, she'd been making a, a push there staying with uh, Tyler, but that, that knocked her down. Uh, so at the end of the Jeopardy round, Tyler is at 6,200. Mike is at 4,600 and Carrie is at. 2600 and we get the double jeopardy categories once upon a november let's take a trip fantastical creatures family is everything movies by characters and two words two syllables each Mm -hmm. tyler just took off at the start of this round got himself out to a massive lead and did not relinquish it (laughs) yeah we had another Ethiopia Haile Selassie clue mm-hmm. in the Once Upon a November at the $1,600 level. 
On November 2nd, 1930, Haile Selassie was crowned emperor of this country. They've been on an Ethiopia kick. Yeah. Yeah, they have. I thought that maybe Mike should have gone for what I thought was the obvious third pick at the triple stumper at the $800 level of Once Upon a November. The clue there was, after 10 years of construction, this waterway officially opened November 17, 1869. And Tyler tried, what is the Erie Canal? And that was not correct. And then Carrie tried, what's the Panama Canal? That also is not correct. And then Mike did not venture a guess, but they were looking for the Suez Canal. I can't remember the exact dates for the Erie and Panama Canals, but it seems to me those are like kind of the three that are l- most likely to come up on Jeopardy. Is there another canal I, that I, I mean, that I should be thinking of? Are, I mean, I, I mean, and I'm sure there are, but canals. not that would be like an $800 clue in Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah. So Panama Canal was around 1900, 1899. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Erie Canal was, I think, much earlier than 1869. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's only like three ish that Jeopardy would expect you to just know by date mm-hmm. um, or approximate date. But you know, if you don't know it, then you don't know it. Daily double number two is in the two words, two syllables each category at the twelve hundred dollar level, and Mike finds it at the thirteenth pick. He's at sixty two hundred to Tyler's fifteen thousand four hundred and carries thirty eight hundred. He wagers 5,000, and his clue is, meaning you're good at talking with others, this alliterative phrase begins with a plural word and ends with its singular form. And he can't come up with anything. It's kind of a lot to parse. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, yeah. Uh, but they were looking just for uh, the phrase, a people person. Right. Yeah. Which after is revealed, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to, especially since like, when you think plural versus singular, I'm thinking, okay, the first one ends in S, and the second one right. doesn't. Um, and then Daily Double number three is in the Family is Everything category at the $1,200 level. Pick number 17, so only four later. Uh, Carrie finds it. She's at 2600 behind Tyler's 15400 and Mike's 1200 She wagers 2000 gets a clue. Prominent Boston families like the Cabots and Winthrop's have been dubbed with this collective name from a cast of India. Uh, and Carrie says she does not know. Mm-hmm. That is the Brahmins. Yep. Boston Brahmins. I have never heard that term. Oh, I because guess. Because I'm not from there. I guess you wouldn't have yeah. necessarily. The, I, I feel like the neg bait would be the untouchables because that's usually the only cast that people know. Mm. Even though it would be like the opposite because the untouchables are like the lowest cast. But the Brahmins are the the highest in the old caste system. Yes. Which makes sense for prominent families. Mm-hmm. You said the only caste people know and the, the casts that I had memorized for a quiz at some point just immediately popped into my head. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> but you specifically uh, went out of your way to learn what the casts were, though. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. So at the end of the double Jeopardy round, Tyler has a lot game with 16,200. Um, Mike is at 4,800. Carrie has finished in the red at negative 200, so will not be participating in Final Jeopardy, where the category is 1960s history. And the clue is, after around 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on July 21st, 1969, a major part of a transport known by this one-word name was never seen again. Dun-dun-dun! And they both got it correct uh, with what is the Eagle, the uh, lunar module uh, after it was jettisoned by the command module was never located, apparently. Mike wagered 2000. That brings him up to 6800. And Tyler wagered 3800. I think he could have gone quite a bit bigger than that but he like it looks like he wanted to get himself up to a round number uh so he finishes with twenty thousand, and that gives him his fourth win and on tuesday we have the contestants chuck mckeever a community college instructor from seattle washington abby haddiken a graphic designer from saint paul minnesota and tyler road a healthcare data specialist from new york new york whose four-day cash winnings now total seventy eight thousand three hundred one dollars and we have the Jeopardy round categories, America in the 19 aughts, fairy tales, a closer look, 
organizations. Also a Facebook reaction. Reality TV and geographic idioms. This was all filmed before Facebook decided it, or announced it was going to try and change its name. Well, the, the, the dumbest the, idea. The big, the, the parent company. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. Right, like the, the social networking platform is still. Yeah. The Facebook. Spoken which, like somebody who read the article and not just the headline. Uh, yeah. But I thought the also a Facebook reaction category was kind of a fun gimmick. Yeah, it was an interesting one. It was yeah. pretty fun. Daily Double number one is at the $400 level of America in the 19 aughts. Uh, Tyler finds it at the 27th pick. He has 7600 at this point to Abby's 2000 and Chuck's 5000 and he wagers 3000 and gets the clue this coin got a makeover in 1909 for the 100th anniversary of a president's birth. Um, and he got that one right. That's the penny. Mm-hmm. Is that when they put Lincoln on it? I presume so. Probably. But there's no way of knowing or finding out. <laughs> yeah, 1908 Indian head penny. Hmm. I know that I should have known there was a time when they put Lincoln on the penny and it was, you know, not when the U.S. started minting money. (laughs) You know, we like this guy's head. But like, like, this is definitely how I would get caught as a time traveler. Right. Yeah. It's like they put Lincoln's head on the penny and he ran for president. He was like, look, guys, I'm already on the penny. Yeah. It's like it's meant to be. I mean, come on. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Tyler's in the lead with 10,800, Abby's at 2,200, and Chuck is at 5,200. And we have the double Jeopardy categories in their 60s, the Middle East, complete the Tony-winning play title, this category has legs, the hit parade, hit in quotation marks, and unpack your adjectives. That was a fun one. Yeah. I liked the adjectives. That $1,600. I really like that word. Sorry if you're this 10-letter adjective that's derived from the Latin for teary. Chuck got it. It's lacrimose. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a challenging round, I thought. Yeah. They really struggled with those Tony-winning play titles. Yeah. And, like, fair enough. Yeah, um, they, they were, except for the miracle worker, and now I'm not super good at plays, but rather obscure, I thought. Yeah, the there was a triple stumper at four hundred. Uh, when by Wendy Wasserstein, the blank chronicles. That's the Heidi Chronicles, yeah. um, which I has come up on Jeopardy before for sure. I've mm-hmm. I've encountered that in trivia settings, but like I'm not like a super serious like theater nerd, but like I do live in New York and like you know like like go go to shows. I talk with people who are you know really into this. You know, um, and it just doesn't it doesn't come up a whole lot, yeah. um, but it has come up in trivia settings. And then I didn't know um, Tennessee Williams, the Rose Blank. That's the Rose Tattoo. Uh, that was a triple stumper, too. They got the Miracle Worker. I'd heard of the $1,600 level uh, 2006 set at a British grammar school, the Blank Boys. That's the History Boys. That was a triple stumper. Mm-hmm. And then 1948, the, apparently the first... Tony-winning play, uh, Mr. Blank was Mr. Roberts, apparently. That's the first time I've heard that. So, uh, four triple stumpers in that category, but also I think these were these were obscure ones. Yeah, yeah that thought I ran a bit more difficult than than some of the other categories. Yep. <laughs> so, Daily Double number two is in the unpack your adjectives category. It is at the two thousand dollar level. Uh, pick number seven, and Chuck finds it. He's at 8,800, Tyler's at 12,800, and Abby is at 2,200, and he wagers 4,100. And uh, gets the clue, meaning snake-like as an adjective, it refers to a green mineral as a noun. And he uh, guesses what is adamantine, but it is serpentine. Mm-hmm. And daily double number three is at the $1,600 level of the Middle East. Chuck finds this one also at the 21st pick and wagers 
4,000. He's made it back up to 8,300 after missing the previous daily double a little bit ago. Tyler's at 16,800 and Abby's at 5,000. He gets the clue, Halab is the name in Arabic for this largest city of northern Syria, heavily damaged in the recent civil war. And he gets that one. That's Aleppo. Gary Johnson, man. <sighs> yeah. Oh, that's not gonna back, when we, back when we lowered the bar from... <laughs> <laughs> Remember when Gary Johnson was, like, the thing? Uh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, I, uh, I just like recently in my like social media memories was like, you know, the, the day when I posted, apparently we've no- lowered the bar to knowing that Aleppo is one word <laughs> than a space Leppo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, but anyway, Chuck knows Aleppo, that it's one word and a city in northern Syria. Um, and so he has a little redemption moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so at the end of the round, Tyler is at 17,600, Evie's at 3,400, and Chuck is at 12,700. Good score. Um, and we get the final Jeopardy category, scientists, and the clue, Galileo thanked this astronomer because you were practically the only one to have complete faith in my assertions. Abby wrote, who is Copernicus? And that is incorrect. Close. Like, like. Good, good thought, but not quite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she yeah. wagered 3,400, so she drops to zero. Chuck wrote, who is Copernicus, also got that incorrect. Uh, he wagered 58.99, and Tyler got it correct with who is Kepler. Mm-hmm. Johannes Kepler. Yeah, Copernicus also, like, was, you know, a heliocentrist. Mm-hmm. Like, like Galileo, um, but Kepler was the one who, like... I Was Copernicus, were they con- contemporary Copernicus? I don't know if Copernicus and Galileo were contemporary. Copernicus is 1773-1543-and-Galileo-is-1564-1642-so-no-I-feel-like-if-Galileo-were-alive-now-he-would-perhaps-see-the-problem-with-the-phrase-have-complete-faith-in-my-assertions-as-it-relates-to-science-right-right
He is at 3,600. Tyler is at 2,200. And Tony is at 3,000. So it's a close game. He wagers 2,000 and gets the clue. It's a city in New South Wales, a river in Southern Africa, and a county in Southern California. And he gets that correct with what is orange. Mm-hmm. I have been to one of those. No, I've been. Have I been to Orange County? I might have been to two of those. I've definitely been to the Orange River. I don't know if I've been to any of those. I certainly have been not been to the city in New South Wales. Yes, nor, nor have I. I would go. I would like to go to Australia. Mm-hmm. Anyway, at the end of the Jeopardy round, Tyler is at 3,200, Tony is at 5,000, and Julian is at 7,200. So Tyler is in last place. And we get the double Jeopardy round categories, Historic Illinois, Shakespeare play settings, Physics, Coffee is Life, 10, 11, and 12-letter words, and TV theme lyrics. We notably did not have anybody from from Illinois, from the Chicagoland area, probably because mm, they, yeah. they went through all their Chicago contestants in that one stretch mm-hmm. remember there was like that that one month where like everyone was, it was from just chicago. like everybody was from chicago yeah yeah because if there had been <laughs> it's like they forgot to shuffle the like audition <laughs> files well you know r- random distribution can cause that yeah that's true but uh at the two thousand dollar level of historic illinois they would have gotten that uh, around 1673 this french jesuit priest explored the region and traveled on the illinois river that's jacques marquette mm-hmm. marquette and joliet are the the important names for that region in terms yep. of explorers. Mm-hmm. I was pleased to discover that I had learned the uh, response for the, to the $1,200 level clue in that same category. Uh, they had a picture and then settling in Illinois, he founded his own detective agency and later headed the Union Secret Service during the Civil War. Uh, and that is Alan Pinkerton. They had they had a picture of him. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, Pinkerton detectives is mm-hmm. a is a thing that I have somehow. I think somehow from Jeopardy, I picked that up or something like that. Maybe I don't know. Maybe some kind of I trivia mean, setting. You did talk about the Pullman strike, right? Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The, oh, I picked the Pinkertons, it up. I, yep. Pinkertons mm-hmm. had to do with that. Yep, that's true. So there we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we had uh, everyone struggling for the uh, old timey soft drink. At the $1,600 level of 10, 11, and 12-letter words. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clue was, some described this old-timey soft drink as tasting like licorice, others like root beer. Julian rang in and said, what? Oh, no. <laughs> and ran out <laughs> it's of not time. that. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tony tried, what is sassafras? And then Tyler finally got it with, what is sarsaparilla? Sarsaparilla? Sarsaparilla. Sarsaparilla, yeah. Yeah. That's sarsaparilla. I like Sasparilla. Daily Double number two is at the $1,600 level of physics. And Julian finds this one. He's at 9,200 to Tyler's 4,800 and Tony's 3,800. He wagers 3,000 and gets the clue. General relativity meant there must be these waves, but they weren't directly detected until 2015 by the LIGO Observatory. And he tries, what are dark matter? Uh, but that's not correct. They're looking for gravitational waves. Yeah. Yeah. Recently detected and then photographed, I think, just last year. Mm. Uh, that's so cool. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, but he drops down. But then he gets the very next pick, daily double number three, pick number back six. Back. In yay. The, yay. In the Shakespeare play settings category at the $1,200 level. Uh, so he is down to 6200 the other player scores the same and he wagers 1000 gets the clue once more unto this play or sorry once more into this play whose centerpiece is a 1415 battle in france and he does not offer a response but that is henry v mm-hmm. he must have forgotten some of the finer details of my henriad deep dive i was going to say you <laughs> spoke about the henriad mm-hmm, i did so he drops down another thousand, and he had built a pretty sizable lead before these two daily doubles, but now he's back down to basically tied with the other two. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the double Jeopardy round, um, Tyler's at 13,600. Tony's at 
8,200. And Julian's at 3,200. And we have the final Jeopardy category paintings. And the clue, in 2021, experts in Oslo concluded that it was the artist who wrote on this painting could only have been painted by a madman. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just putting together this, uh, this guest up. All right. Uh, Julian did not come up with anything, but he had put his initial interrogative and his question mark at the end. So he just had what? <laughs> um, <laughs> what? <laughs> and he wagered 3,200, so he drops to zero. Uh, Tony had the correct response with what is the scream? He wagered 8,000. Uh, that brings him up to 16,200. Tyler tried what is the garden of earthly delights? Which is also which is a brilliant guess. Great yes. guess. I mean, incorrect guess, um, but brilliant guess. Um, that is, uh, if you don't know the Garden of Earthly Delights, that's a painting or is it, is it a triptych? It's a, um, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, triptych oil painting on oak panel. By Hieronymus um, Bosch. By Hieronymus Bosch, which is like, yeah, if you take like Renaissance painting and then like, but like, it's like on acid. Yeah, that's exactly um, yeah. That's Hieronymus Bosch. And it's so good. Yeah. Um, so, like, could only have been painted by a madman. Like, absolutely tracks. Like, A plus in art, Tyler. Very nice job. Not technically correct, but, like, brilliant guess. Yes. Um, Makes a uh, lot of sense. Yes. <laughs> I think what you're supposed to be picking up on here is Oslo. Yes. Uh, is supposed to get you to Edvard Munch. Right. Yeah, but like, I just, I, I love Tyler's thought process here. But anyway, he's wagered 3,000, so he drops down to 10,600. So we'll see him back for a tournament of champions. And Tony is our new champion with 16,200. And on Thursday, we get the contestants Siri Compella, a corporate strategy professional from Frisco, Texas, Cindy Chong, a user experience designer from New York, New York, and Tony Freitas, a project director from Los Angeles, California, whose one-day cash winnings total $16,200. And we get the Jeopardy round categories. Prime number, please. 19th century African Americans. Institutions. Regular verbs. Zombie-thon. And charted. Could I just pause to recognize the way Cindy wrote her name was unbelievably Super cool. Good. It was cool. so good. And that's hard to do. We've already talked about those those light pen mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Very difficult, but super yes. cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so C Cindy absolutely won my heart with her with her uh cool font. And then produced the three prime numbers in the forties under under pressure and, you know, like stage lights. So mm -hmm. that was great. Yeah. Way to go. The thousand dollar level of charted. I feel like this name comes up a lot in mm. trivia. Um, his 16th century charts made longitude lines straight instead of curving to the poles, easier for navigators but distorts distances. Um, that's Mercator. Um, that's just a name to know. Yeah. I mean, you know, every Jeopardy board is full of names to know, but I feel like Mercator, like you could miss him entirely you know, in your education. And then like, you know, like I feel like he comes up pretty predictably. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Daily Double number one is in that same charted category at the $400 level. And Cindy finds it at the 12th pick. She has 3,000 to Tony's 2,200 and Shree's 1,400. And she makes it a true Daily Double. Uh, we love that, Cindy. And uh, she gets the clue. Scientists created the map seen here. Uh, there was a picture showing Challenger Deep in this deepest part of the Pacific. And she knows that is the Mariana Trench. I've never heard of that. <laughs> That's a joke, listeners. I know. One yeah. of the earlier, fairly early deep dives was mm -hmm. Emily talking about Challenger Deep and the trench yeah. and the exploration of that part of the part of the ocean mm -hmm. and the bathysphere yes i don't think the bathysphere was in that part of the ocean but we did we had or whatever we, we talked about we, that, yeah we yeah. we talked about that like i think we definitely touched on it mm -hmm. i think it was maybe an overly ambitious deep dive which i know is out <laughs> of character we've never for done me. that before <laughs> 
So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Tony's at 5,000, Cindy's in the lead with 8,200, Tree's at 1,000, and we have the double Jeopardy categories. That's our factory. Eponymous isms, old literature, anti-up, uh, anti-anti in quotation marks, dark matter, and recharted. We didn't get through all the clues in this round. We left one on the board. It's been a while. Yeah. I wonder why. We've been through them all recently. Yeah. I enjoyed the old literature category. Yeah. Those were fun to remember. Especially the $2,000 clue there. In, in an ancient Mesopotamian epic, this king of Uruk meets the goddess Ishtar. I felt like that was kind of easy for a $2,000 clue. Like... Especially using the word epic, like we know of the epic of Gilgamesh. That's a fairly known trivia thing. It's a short read, and uh, if you've never read it, it's it's worthwhile. It's interesting. Also, uh, my my connection with one of these old literature clues, um, the $1,600 level spell 125 in this collection of funerary texts involves Anubis weighing the deceased's heart in the Hall of Truth. And I just was Googling this as... Kyle was talking about Gilgamesh because I was like, "This is this a false memory? Like, this is something that I learned from the Sesame Street special, uh, Please Don't, or Don't Eat the Pictures, I think it was called. Wait, what? Right. So, Don't Eat the Pictures is a one-hour Sesame Street special that uh, was like set in the Metropolitan Museum of Art and in the like climactic scene, <laughs> I think the Muppets have been like helping some like Egyptian prince who I'm like reading the reading the summary as I go, who's been trying to solve a riddle for more than 4,000 years so he can, like, join his parents in the beyond and then, like, in the climactic scene, like, his heart is weighed and, like, in a Sesame Street special. I need to find this thing and That's, rewatch it. That is... Yes. Dark. Yeah, it and does. awesome. Yeah. I, I really was like, I must have somehow, like have have created some kind of false memory because sesame street would definitely not do this no they did they, did. they definitely did do this yeah, no they did so awesome yeah way to go sesame street uh daily devil number two is in the dark matter category at the uh, twelve hundred dollar level it's pick number seven in the round and tony finds it uh he's at eighty two hundred behind cindy's ten thousand six hundred and ahead of series uh thirty eight hundred and he Gets the clue, this 14th century poet who gave his name to a type of sonnet is often credited with the term the Dark Ages. And he guessed who is Omar Khayyam, uh, which I don't know that name. Yeah, it's- I I don't either. And it seemed, I couldn't tell if it was a legit guess. Persian mathematician. Interesting. 11th century. Okay. 11th, 11th to 12th century. So he guessed an old name. Um, mm-hmm. But that is Petrarch, Petrarch, mm-hmm. uh, father of humanism and the Petrarchan sonnet. Yeah. And daily double number three is the 23rd pick at the $800 level of eponymous isms. And Shri finds this one. He is at 9,800 to Tony's 7,800 and Cindy's 15,400. He wagers 5,000 and gets the clue. A 1950 LA Times column said the defect of this seemed to be the, dis- the senator for whom it was named. And he says McCarthy and then uh, McCarthyism. What is McCarthyism? That's correct. So mm-hmm. he gets that one. Oh, um, I don't think we touched on this, that there were um, some score adjustments. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Um, yeah. That in the first round in the regular verbs category we'd had a clue about to beat with a strap or what a party leader does to get votes lined up in congress and Sri rang in and said what's a whip um and was ruled correct initially and we'd also had at the thousand dollar level from the latin for price it's what your new car's value does shortly after you drive off the lot 
um, and Tony rang in and said, what is depreciation, uh, which was also accepted as correct. And then as we came back for the double jeopardy round, um, both of those were reversed and they were, you know, the, the winnings were taken away and then another uh, 600,000 respectively because they had both provided the noun form in a category titled regular verbs. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so uh, I felt like I saw Sri being extra careful about his phrasing from that point forward and especially in that in that daily double. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. So at the end of the double jeopardy round, Tony is at 7,800, Cindy's at 16,200, and Sri is at 16,400. Very close. And we get the final jeopardy category official languages and the clue. It's the only UN member state outside Europe with Dutch as an official language. Tony got most of the way through what Indonesia uh, but that is that would have been incorrect anyway, uh, and he wagered seventy five hundred, so he drops to three hundred. Mm-hmm. Cindy wrote, "What is Suriname?" and that's correct, and she wagered four hundred just to get above three. Uh, but three also got it correct with "What is Suriname?" and wagered thirteen thousand six hundred, which got him up to thirty thousand. It's not a cover bet, but also yeah. But also, you're only like a cover bet is an all in mm-hmm. essentially when you're only two hundred dollars ahead. I don't know. I don't know. I feel mm-hmm. like I think I personally still would have done a cover bet. Just I like I would have bet it all, just because. Yeah. Like we know statistically, but uh, I don't necessarily. I don't know. He he got to thirty thousand and he ended up winning. So yeah, uh, maybe he did a second order. Maybe he figured Cindy isn't going to bet everything, and so I don't have to necessarily bet anything everything. But then also you could bet smaller. But whatever. Who knows? But he mm-hmm. is the winner going into Friday. Yes. So on Friday, November 5th, uh, we have the contestants Jeff Smith, a music educator from San Diego, mm-hmm. California. Kate Cohen, a communications manager from Washington, D.C. And Sri Compella, a corporate strategy professional from Frisco, Texas, whose one-day cash winnings total 30000 And we have the Jeopardy round categories playing cards, card in quotation marks, kings and queens, Clubs, Jokers, Three of a Kind, and I Got a Straight. That's S-T-R-A-I-T. I see what they're doing with the themed board, mm-hmm. but I also got kind of annoyed that I feel like you you it, it switched. Like Kings and Queens and Jokers, right? Those are mm-hmm. like the, you know, how do we, how, what do we call those? Like, not the suit, but the, you know, the other thing. Um, the, and then clubs is a suit. Yeah. And then three of a kind and straight are poker hands. And I feel like it's a themed board, but like the theme isn't totally consistent, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, I get that. Like, if, yeah. you, if you go for clubs, you're going to want the other four. Right. Uh, because we're on a, this week, apparently, uh, uh, things we talked about in Deep Dives kick. Uh, the $600 level of kings and queens. Nearly 10 feet tall and standing on a three and a half foot base, the largest statue in the Statuary Hall collection is of this king. And that's King Kamehameha. Yes, indeed. I believe he's the only foreign ruler in Statuary Hall. Hmm. Yeah, the, the $200 level also sort of connected to one of your deep dives. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, in 1566, she gave birth to the boy who would be king, James VI of Scotland. Um, Jeff rang in and said, who is Mary? Mayim said, can you be more specific? He said, Mary, Queen of Scots. There have been which, a lot of Marys in British royalty. <laughs> it's true. Um, the, the Scottish one, because it says Scotland right there. Um, but James the Sixth of Scotland was also James the First of England, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which connects to your British royalty. Yes, guys. yes. Yeah. So, listeners, go back and hit that one if you're going to be on Jeopardy, because apparently they're mm-hmm. asking this a lot. Yep. I thought the three of a kind. I, I enjoyed the three of a kind category. Um, but like. The $200 level was obviously a $200 question. Uh, sorry, Operation Battleship. Those are board games. Kate got that one. And then the 400, Affenpinscher, Bassengee, German Spitz. Um, Jeff got that one. Those are dogs. Those those seem like relatively obscure dogs for a $400 level. Yeah. 
um, in my opinion. $600 was hats, um, Bodar, Ushanka, and top. The $800 seemed, seemed right to me. Baku, Njamena, and Phnom Penh. Those are world capitals. Mm-hmm. You should you should know those. But they but they picked slightly obscure ones so that it would seem hard to the home viewing audience. Right. Um, and then the thousand I liked, Greek, Ambrosia, and Larb. Uh, Jeff got that one. Those are salads. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you needed larb to kind of triangulate what and like greek and ambrosia like there's a lot could that make could you, be yeah you could greek and ambrosia you would start to you could could get you think thinking in like a like a greek gods like food of the gods like mm-hmm. kind of direction um but larb is a thai salad mm-hmm. it's like a meat salad i think right? yeah yeah, yeah. I, I like larb kai yeah Daily Double number one is in the I Got a Straight category at the $400 level. Again, speaking of things that have come up in deep dives. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Jeff found it at pick number 27. He's at 8,800. Sri is at 800. And Kate is at 4,600. And he wagers 3,000, which I like. It's a decent bet. He gets the clue, bearing the name of an 8th century Berber conqueror, this strait separates two continents. And he guesses what is Bosphorus. Uh, but that is the Strait of Gibraltar, which, mm-hmm. even if you're not sure of that fact, uh, Berber should point you toward Morocco. Right. In that area. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, uh, Sria's had a hard time getting off the ground. He's, uh, he's at 800. Kate is at 5,000, and Jeff is at 6,200. We get the double Jeopardy categories Florist's Reading List, I Helped in the 17th Century. States and Symbols, Computer History, Classic Albums, and Double Meanings. You know, I feel like uh, Flowers in the Attic comes up in trivia um, kind of in the same way that, like, what's that other one called? Like, Valley of the Dolls. I mean, different different subject matter, um, but it's that same kind of, like, popular at the time, like not actually super high literary value if i understand correctly um you know but like kind of like cult classic-y yeah um i get what you're saying yeah yeah yeah. and and a trivia favorite kind of and a trivia favorite yes so i have not read flowers in the attic but i've (laughs) picked it up from being in trivia circles i think right yeah there's some things that we just kind of like I've heard this in trivia enough to know that I like to know these few facts about it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yep. Daily Double number two is in the states and symbols category at the $1,600 level. And Jeff finds it at just the third pick. Yeah, he's made it back up to 9,000. Shri's at 800, Kate's at 5,000. And Jeff wagers 3,000 and gets the clue. It's flag displays the Roman numerals for 1820, the year of a deal that brought it into the Union. And he guesses what is Kansas, but the correct response here is Missouri. Uh, they were trying to point you toward the Missouri Compromise. Yep. And Daily Double number three is in the double meanings category at the $800 level. Shree finds this one at the 16th pick. Uh, he's at 3200 Kate is at 9800 and Jeff is up at 10400 and he wagers 2,000, which I thought you could go all in there, but... Yeah. You know, whatever. He gets a clue, tidy up a place or an evergreen tree. And he gets it correct with what is spruce. The state tree of Colorado is the Colorado blue spruce. Good to know. And he goes on a bit of a run late in the round. Uh, so at the end of the double Jeopardy round... Uh, Jeff is at 17,200. Kate's at 14,200. Shree's made it up to 8,800. So I think he's still in contention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. And the final Jeopardy category is toys. And the clue is introduced in 1964, he fell out of favor in changing times. And in 1970, it was marketed as a land adventurer. Shree has guessed what is Ken. Uh, that is not correct. He's wagered twelve hundred, so he drops down to seventy six hundred. Um, I think people are kind of going for round numbers here. Seems like it. Yeah, she probably should be going a little bit bigger here. I think 
in Kate's position, she might wager as little as she might think about an all in from Shri and wager like 3,400. That's going to drop her down to 10,800, right? So Uh he could have, if she'd wagered, if she'd wagered to just cover an all in from Shri, she would have finished a little bit above where he would land if he was correct. Right. Uh, if And she missed. Right. Like, I think I think he's aiming for a round number in a way that's not um, sort of strategically optimal. But maybe there are there may be other factors here, you know, especially um, uh, given that the wagering has just been a little weird recently. Um, yeah. uh, people may be kind of, you know, feeling each other out and trying to get make guesses about who's going to wager how, um, which you know, I sort of I like the strategy of that. Um, but anyway, I think I think a strategically optimal wager from Shri would be a little bigger. Um, anyway, Kate has re- corrected correctly responded. What is GI Joe? Um, she's added a whole bunch of question marks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's very unsure. Uh, she is not sure, but she is correct. Uh, and she's wagered 5,800 to land her at 20,000. That's a little bit bigger than the maximum J Archive thinks is strategically optimal. And Jeff has what is Jungle Gym? That's a toy, right? I feel like I remember that being a toy. Um, Sounds right. Yeah. Oh, no, it's a fictional character. Maybe there were toys of Jungle Gym. I don't know. It's a TV series and a like a comic strip surely there was merch yeah jungle gym playset with fig character figures okay all right so that's a that's it's a, a good guess yeah. um yeah he's waited eleven thousand eight hundred, which is a cover bet and a little bit um that drops him down to 5400 and third place and kate will be our returning champion next week yes indeed J Archive notes this is the last game of 2021 hosted by Maya Bialik. I think maybe if she if she said that on air, maybe my recording cut it off or something. Um, uh, did you did you catch that? I Kyle? did not catch that either. That's news uh, to me. Yeah, but I suppose we'll um, find out on Monday, won't we? Yes, yes, indeed. So this is the mid episode break where we remind you that we have a Patreon. Um, we are heading toward uh, being able to hire a sound editor to take some of the sound editing off of Kyle's plate. I think once we once we find the right person, we've been we've been uh, holding on to those Patreon funds, uh, waiting to kind of have enough Patreon income to uh, to do that. And I think I think we can we can do it with a little bit of a runway. Um, you know, we've, uh, got a little cushion. We, I think we can do it, but we, we, in order for it to be sort of long-term sustainable, we, we need to still get a little bit more coming in. So if you have a few bucks a week, uh, a week, (laughs) if you have a few bucks a month to throw us, to help us keep this podcast, um, uh, running in a way that's, uh, that's sustainable and to, um, to pay somebody to help us out a respectful and appropriate wage for that work. Um, we'd appreciate it. That said, supporting your favorite silly podcast is, uh, is great. Um, but if you have to choose where your funds are going, there are more important things in the world. Um, so we like to point people towards blacklivesmatter.com, communityjusticeexchange.org, and the Stop AAPI Hate GoFundMe. Uh, you can find the links to those in the show notes. Yes, indeed. So, Kyle, do you have deep dive guesses? I do. I have a lot of them. There are there are a lot of triple stumpers this week. There were. I tried to choose something to help you narrow it down. I tried to choose something that would be relatively narrow so that we could, you know, dive deeply, but not have it take 45 minutes. Okay. Uh, in that case, my first guess is the uh, Sacco and Vanzetti. That is not correct. Although they that uh, that case does have a tie to my hometown of Worcester, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Um, what about uh, Marquette, the explorer? Uh, nope. I'm actually fact checking myself on Sacco and Vanzetti now, and it's not quite Worcester, but you know. My, my home enough. area. Sure. Close enough. 
Yeah. And the last one, then, how about uh, congressional whip and congressional rolls? Mm, no, but that is a good guess. So uh, we're in the Jeopardy round of Wednesday's game. In the planet fill-in category at the $800 level, a paleolithic sculpture, the blank of Villendorf. Oh. Uh, no, nobody knew that was the Venus of Villendorf. And I, sort, I knew the Venus of Villendorf, but I'm like, why don't, why don't I look her up and, you know, uh, find out what there is to know about that um, piece of art or artifact. Uh, and, uh, and that's what we'll do today. So, uh, the Venus of Willendorf is a 4.4-inch figurine estimated to have been made around 25,000 years ago. Uh, similar sculptures first discovered in the 19th and early 20th centuries are traditionally referred to in archaeology as Venus figurines due to the widely held belief that depictions of nude women with exaggerated sexual features represented um, uh, fertility or perhaps a mother goddess um, – the reference to Venus is metaphorical, of course, because these figurines predate the mythological figure of Venus by many thousands of years. Um, some scholars some scholars have come to reject the terminology of Venus figurine um, and instead refer to the statuette as the woman of Willendorf or woman from Willendorf. Uh, on August 7, 1908, Johann Verren uncovered the tiny statue while participating in excavations at a paleolithic site near Willendorf, uh, which is an Austrian village. A railroad was being built through the area, and the initial construction had revealed layers that looked archaeologically promising. Joseph Sambati, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, I hope so, the curator of the Anthropologic Prehistoric Collection of the Natural History Museum of the Imperial Court in Vienna, was present he was leading the excavation and two other sci two scientists were present as well hugo obermeyer and joseph bayer uh johann Verren was one of the workers he found the statuette um and Zambati, who stood nearest to him saw the figurine first and showed it to bayer who was working not far away from Verren. um they took some photographs of the situation um, and then Obermeyer, who was exca excavating further to the west, heard of the find in the evening. They were reluctant to um, make it too public, um, given sort of public interest in collecting artifacts. Mm. I think we've touched on like mummy fever at some point. When was that? It was it was like around that same time. Sure. Yeah. Uh, initially, archaeologists dated the sculpture to around 10,000 BCE. In the 1970s, researchers concluded it was around 20,000 years old. Mm. Um, and then in 1990, radiocarbon dating of the rock layers in which the piece was found was done. Um, and the date was revised to 25,000 to 30,000 BCE, um, a hypothesis that, hypothesis that remains the most prevalent today. The statuette is made of oolitic limestone tinted with red ochre pigment both its size, it's, you know, sort of portable, and the material from which it was made, which is not found in Willendorf, are indicators that the artifact was made elsewhere and was brought to Willendorf somehow. The figure does not have a face. Uh, the crown of its head is decorated with a repeating motif, uh, which resembles either a braided hairstyle or some kind of patterned headdress. Um, some people have even suggested that it's like a crocheted cap. Uh, the figure has um, prominent features associated with fertility and sexuality. Uh, it has, you know, pronounced breasts, a big belly with a belly button, uh, hips, uh, detailed, somewhat detailed genitals. The arms and legs are de-emphasized. It has arms, but they're, you know, kind of small and not especially defined. Um, uh, there are no feet, um, but there are actually hands. You can see them kind of resting on the figure's breasts, and you can actually see there's some kind of like bangle or arm ornament on the wrists as well. The figure is the best known of its type, but there are other Venus figures. Um, most date from the Gravettian period, which was 21,000 to 26,000 years ago. Um, I think that's finer detail than we got into with your like geologic timescale 
uh, deep dive. Uh, these figures were carved from soft stone, uh, such as limestone, bone, or ivory, or formed of clay and fired. Uh, and the, the clay ones are among the oldest ceramics known to historians. There are over 200 such figurines known in total. Um, virtually all of pretty modest size, uh, ranging from 3 to 40 centimeters, 1.2 to 15.7 inches in height. Uh, it's often noted that most would fit into the hand easily. The um, the Venus of Willendorf can easily sort of fit in someone's palm. She's like very like, portable in that way. The name Venus figurines, Venus figures was first used in the mid 19th century by the Marquis de Vibray, who discovered an ivory figurine and named it La Venue Impudique, which is immodest Venus, uh, which is sort of a pun on a Greco-Roman like sculpture pose Venus Pudica, which is like modest Venus, right? Like the, mm. the sculptures where the figure has a hand kind of over their um their private parts. Um right. So uh so he's sort of punning on that. So as I said, these figures precede the mythological figure of Venus by tens of thousands of years, um, but the term was widely adopted after the Marquis de Vibray, uh referred to his find as the uh, Venus Ampudique because of its, you know, its connections to fertility, beauty, and sexuality, which were assumed to be sort of what these figures were about. Mm-hmm. The oldest known at this point is Venus of Holofels. Uh, which is dated to 35,000 to 40,000 years ago. Uh, it's carved of mammoth ivory. It was discovered in a cave in Schelklingen, Germany in 2008, and it is the oldest undisputed example of a depiction of a human being. Hmm. Um, yeah. The original cultural meaning and purpose of these artifacts is not known and uh, widely speculated on. It's frequently been suggested that they may have had a ritual or symbolic function, They've been seen as religious figures, an expression of health and fertility, grandmother goddesses. Um, and then there's this uh, somewhat newer hypothesis. Catherine McCoy and Leroy McDermott hypothesized that they were self-portraits by women, that the proportions of these um, of these figures would uh, sort of correspond to how a woman would look looking down at herself and you know they she wouldn't be able to see her own face there were no mirrors uh one other scholar michael bisson has noted that you could use like your reflection in a water pool or a puddle and that like Mm -hmm. you know probably people had some rough idea what they looked like and then some scholars have argued that all of the interpretations that have been offered are really just based in uh, our own contemporary projections. Many of them, you know, uh, pretty fraught with very modern race and gender and uh, all kinds of, you know, concerns that that we have no real way of knowing whether they <laughs> whether they fit with the the mind of Paleolithic humans, right? And that in some ways, our interpretations will always reflect more on the people making them than on what was intended by the people who made and used these figures in the ancient past. Uh, so that's what we know about the Venus of Willendorf. Okay. Oh, she is. Yeah. Oh, she's now in. Um, she is displayed in the Natural History Museum in Vienna, Austria. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's a deep dive. Uh, you know, it was that was like a that was like a ten to twelve minute deep dive, which I think is what we at one time originally conceived of. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Finally, we're getting it. We're working out the kinks, listeners. Two years right. in. Two years in, we 99. have figured out how to do a deep dive. That's not like. Let me explain to you all of human knowledge. Right. Um, all right, uh, Kyle, are you ready for a quiz? Oh yeah. All right. Um, this quiz is themed around Venus. Okay. All right. Question one. Where on the human body would you find the Mount of Venus? This question is safe for work, and the feature in question is not sexually dimorphic. Oh, the Mount of Venus. Um, I know this. I totally know this. And I am going to say on the hand. Mm-hmm. Because you talked that about is... it 
isn't it part of palmistry? <laughs> it is part of palmistry. Yes. Uh, we are we are referencing again episode one. I think it was episode it one, was right? Episode like, one, yeah. yeah. Episode one, the palmistry deep dive. Uh, the Mount of Venus is um, like kind of at like the base of your thumb. Um, yeah, great. So you are at ten points. Question two. Sarah Bartman was a Quay woman who was exhibited as a freak show attraction in 19th century Europe because of her pronounced buttocks. Under what name was she advertised? A two-word phrase that incorporates an outdated Dutch term for Quay people. Oh. Oh, man. If you happen to note the Wizard of Oz verbatim, the line before, uh, who put the ape in apricot could help you out. But that's I, a, that's I'm, a pretty deep pull. <laughs> yeah. I'm having a, I'm having a real, okay. So it's a two word term. Two word term. The, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to say the Bantu Venus. Hmm. It's not a bad guess. The Hottentot Venus. Hottentot. I knew I knew Hottentot. I remember that term, which is not a good term, but I remember that term. It is not term. a good term. Yep. It is. Yep. That one is not an acceptable term. Um, uh, and the story of Sarah Bartman is sad and infuriating. So I, I got if you that don't, impression. Yeah. If you don't know it, go, go find some information about that. That is important and it'll make you very angry um all right question three very few plants are capable of rapid movement the plants that are include mimosa pudica uh which is a uh, shrinking violet I-, I like that it had pudica in there mm-hmm. uh that same yeah uh the telegraph plant and this one which has a mechanism involving calcium ions activated when trigger hairs are stimulated I'm going to guess the Venus flytrap. It sure is the yeah, Venus okay. flytrap. Yeah, I I figured that would probably be one of our easier ones, but also like <laughs> I I wasn't quite sure how to how to make a the the question more challenging but not too challenging. I didn't want to be like what kind of ions. Right. Like how would how yeah. Yeah, apparently it takes about 10 days for a Venus flytrap to digest an insect. Wow. Um yeah. All right, you're at 20 points. And question four, the song Venus as a Boy didn't chart in the U.S. And if it had, you probably wouldn't remember it because it was 1993. Uh, but it did hit number one on Iceland's top 40. What noted swan dress wearer, once portrayed by Winona Ryder on SNL Celebrity Jeopardy, wrote the song and included it in her debut album? Swan dress wearer. This is definitely my strong suit. Uh, Swandress. Not charting in the U.S. I'm going to go with Bjork. Bjork is correct. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yes, Iceland is where she's from and where it hit number one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it did okay in Europe. I was hoping that the SNL Celebrity Jeopardy would help you out, although it was just one episode. Uh, But it's a a good one. Yep. (laughs) All right. You're at, and question five. Venus de Milo is a sculpture by an unknown artist, created around 150 BCE and displayed in the Louvre. Venus de Milo with drawers, however, is a half-size plaster reproduction of the famous statue, with six drawers distributed across her body with pom-pom drawer pulls. The 1936 work, now on display at the Art Institute of Chicago, was created by what surrealist artist? Uh, I don't know a lot of surrealists. I'm sure you know this one. I mean, the one I'm going to guess is Dali. Yes, that is correct. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I was like, I don't remember this work, but I literally have no other names because I have already forgotten my deep dive on Dali. Yeah, uh, I I have intentionally worked. So it, we're on episode ninety nine, which is not episode one hundred. But when I when I realized that there were a bunch of previous deep dives that connected to Venus questions pretty easily, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna work in some previous material. <laughs> yeah, 
Venus de Milo with drawers is a fun thing to Google. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I sort of want to go see that one now. Um, All right. So you're at 40 points and we're going to call the final category 20th century names you've heard recently on the podcast. Okay. Uh, I'm going to bet... 35. 35. All right. For 75 points, Delta of Venus is a posthumously published collection of 15 short stories, mostly erotic, by what French Cuban American diarist and feminist icon? That was her name. French Cuban American diarist. Um, what was her name? I guess that's the question, isn't it? Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a name coming to mind. I don't remember about anything Cuban. Which means I need to go back and listen to it if it isn't. And the same thing, similar. Oh, no. Oh, no, what is it? It's Anais Nin. Anais Nin, that's who. Oh, of course it is. Yes. Uh, I wasn't going to get to her name. Um, uh yes yes it is Ugh. i got stuck that's okay it happens edna saint vincent malay was a was a decent guest fitting a fair amount of like fitting the vibe although yeah. not the not the facts yeah gertrude stein also kind of fits the vibe although not the facts yeah <laughs> we've <laughs> We've had we've had some 20th century feminist icon names floating around on the podcast recently, so I'm going to call that a win. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Well, you can't win them all. Um, you're finishing with five points, but hey, this was fun. It was. It was very yeah. fun. And um, listeners, if you want to find out more about palmistry or Salvador Dali or Anais Nin, you can go find those episodes in the back catalog. And uh, thank you for spending your time with us. Make sure to make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating or review if you would be so kind. If you want to check out our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash potentpotables. And if you have friends who watch Jeopardy, let them know about our show. That's right. You can all find us on Facebook at Potent Potables, on Twitter at Potent Potables 1. Our email address is potentpotablescast at gmail.com. And our website is potentpod.com. And... We will be back next week with more recaps and our 100th episode. Yay! Spectacular! Woo! So until then, may your minds be quick and your buzzers be quicker. Woo!